Hello and welcome to the number something th- okay th- podcast on the internet. Uh, we are the dad and sons. Who are the dads? Who are the sons? I, I don't. I, I don't know. Wow, we haven't said that in a while. You you get to decide who those are and and how often we should say those. Um, we have Matt Visual again this week. Yay! Um, hello. Back ba- back from the dead, resurrected there. I am alive. I am here. We we have Liam Edwards uh, mm. back from from. What's the point in anything? Daft Punk have broken up. Why do we even bother? Oh. <laughs> What's the point even doing anything? Oh, that's that's what it took. I'm sad. Literally, just as we're about to record. I, I don't I don't understand like what they send they put a video out and they seems a pretty classy way to finish and everyone assumes that's what's happening yeah did they give a reason why mm, I I don't know it's only just happened as we're sorry recording we've what me matched the epilogue video and oh anyway and we also have George 2020 <laughs> level tragedy I, I i was hoping things would be a little more upbeat and 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 happy this year you know but well i think it's because we haven't had music from them for a while so you know i think like 2016 was like when them doing stuff with the weekend was kind of like the last real big time we had some stuff so it's been a while and then they just i guess even 20 even daft punk can fight through 2020 Oh my god, Guilty Gear looks amazing. Hell fuck? yeah, it does. I can't wait to talk about that today. What That's okay. Now, now I'm now I'm cheered up again. Now now it's all good again. Whoa, let me sit up in my chair. What? Okay, okay. both both of those just kind of sidelined me from from <laughs> nowhere. Sorry, and we have George, as I said. Hey George. Yeah, hi, I'm George, I guess. That art style. Like I can't tell what the frame rate's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, it's sixty. The backgrounds are not, but that's typical. Can I just talk about Guilty Gear already and get it over? And yeah, down? no. Let's, I w- I was just about to ask because is, is this the same art style they were using for Dragon Ball Fighter Z? Kind of, yeah. So it's it's like an evolution of what they started with Guilty Gear, Exerd, and Revelator. I forget if I got those names confused. Please forgive me. Everybody knows the naming conventions of both Blaz Blue and Guilty Gear are absolutely fucking ridiculous. How how do we know it's Xerd and not tenth third? Like like it's it's an X. And oh yeah, ten. you're right. It could be. I mean it generally goes by Xerd, so and it comes from X, right? So because of Guilty Gear X and then Guilty Gear XX Accent Core Return <laughs> The Revengening. Both sound equally equally ridiculous yeah something stupid but guilty gear i I think i talked about it maybe a couple years ago now or over a year ago when i i i didn't really play guilty gear from the i kind of skipped over exert and revelate when they first came out and i got into them last year or the year before playing in the office while i was working on scrappers at the time and it was a great great time and i'd obviously played guilty gear x and xx back in the day and 
I'd been watching some videos because Strive just they kept dropping trailers for characters, and I would watch it. and I'd be like, "Fuck me! How is this game real? Look at look at it! Look at it! It's insane!" I just kind of didn't pay attention. Then all of a sudden, everybody there started. You know, Maximilian was doing videos, and there was other people doing videos. And then I found out that the Guilty Gear Strive beta they were having an open beta the past weekend, the weekend that's just passed us. Um, if you'd pre-ordered the game. You could play it a day early, but everybody else had to wait till Friday, and then you could play basically until today, being Monday. Um, and you could play all weekend. You could play online. You could play versus. You could do training mode. It was a fairly extensive beta, to be completely fair. And they had 13 characters, including two new characters, Giovanna and Nagoyuki, the massive tank black samurai. He's yeah, incredibly dope. Yeah. Very, very dope character design. And I was really excited to play it. I was kind of frustrated that you could only play it on PlayStation 4 and 5. Which felt really weird. You, even though the game's coming out on PC, there was no PC beta. Which is a shame. Because also my legacy PlayStation 3 Soul Calibur 4 fight stick didn't work with the beta. Which is annoying because I play fighting games with a fight stick. So I'm going to have to get a new one. Unless the PC version works. How long has that thing lasted you for? Well, I bought it secondhand for like $10 in Japan three years ago. So that tells you how long it survived <laughs> alone in Japan, even when it was not in my possession. Uh, a fair long... What are we on? Soul Calibur 6 now or 7? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, three games ago or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it survived. And the thing's still pretty clean. It's behind me. Over here somewhere. Good thing it's clean. But yeah, no, so I played the game. Played some online, and then thankfully also got to play some verses with some friends. And this game is fucking dope. It is shaping up to be one hell of a nice fighter. It's really different. Well, not really different, but it's fairly different to Exert and Revelator. You could do some pretty easy combos in that, and you could do fairly flashy stuff. And I mean, all of Guilty Gear is fairly flashy, but it feels like what they've done is... They've toned down the ability to do easy combos. So now you, the maximum combos you're doing is probably within four to five, six if you're lucky and you get like an overdrive at the end. I heard about that. A common sentiment seems to be, how do I combo in Guilty Gear? Fucking how? Yeah. So in this one, it's definitely a bit more difficult to be doing long string combos. You can do like two or three. I play Chip Zanuff most of the time. He's this freaking wicked ninja and he hears this great, like, three string special where you can do it like twice over and then finish it off with an overhead and then you can like do what they call roman cancel and then you can do like supers and stuff like that but outside of that like it is quite difficult to combo and uh, characters are hard to get used to but man this game is absolutely gorgeous and you could be losing but just pulling off some of the moves they're so flashy the animations are so exciting the backgrounds are just insane that you're just having a wild time. And the character designs are fantastic. Giovanna and Nagariyuki, the two new characters, are brilliant. Especially Giovanna, I really like playing her. Nagariyuki has this, like, interesting, like, blood mechanic where after a certain while he goes into, like, a blood rage. He's like a vampire. And it drains all of his health until he puts the mask back on. So you have to do certain... You have to, like, fulfill certain passive requirements to be able to do it. I don't even understand it. No idea what's going on. But it was a good time. Uh, even though I didn't get to play it for an extensive period of time, even just in that one weekend, I was I came away thoroughly impressed. I was talking to our old boy, Wolf throughout the weekend about it because he was playing it as well. And we were both just like in awe of how that game moves. I, even though 
I was playing on PlayStation 4. The menus were really quick. The gameplay didn't stutter at all. The thing looks like a next-gen game. It's fantastic. And it blends like lots of different art styles. Like there's a character called Zato One, and he has like this demon that is basically just this like black shadow that follows him around. And it looks like a completely different game. And it's like flat 2D compared to the 3D models that are cell shaded in Guilty Gear. And uh, there's just all like lots of neat touches and stuff. You can tell this game just has like just people who love doing what they're doing, making it like, uh, you know, Daisuke Iwatari, the guy who makes it, Ishawatari is like a genius. The guy is the musician, the director, the narrative designer, the character illustrator, the character designer. He's like everything. And he's a madman. And it shines through in this. I had a wild time. Hey, if you don't know, just go watch videos of Guilty Gear Strive because fuck yeah, that game rules. Let's rock. Guys, this is a good game. You should play it. It looks, it looks, it looks good. It's definitely, it's definitely not easy to pick up for sure. Guilty Gear is not easy. What's the barrier for entry like? What's the learning curve on, on those combos that are harder than the usual? Well, so <laughs> I don't, so I don't know how the online works specifically, but like you have to do like a fighting against the a, like a fighting match against the AI. And then you get placed in like this tower, like it's like a real anime tower of different levels of your skill. And you fight the AI and then it places you in a, an area depending on how well you fought against the AI. And there's like from 10 to 1, I think. And then it goes to like heaven and then heaven's arena or something. And that's like the best players in the world. And the netcode in this game, I want to say, uses rollback netcode for the first time. And it, it is fantastic. I was playing online matches and I barely even noticed I was playing online. It was really, really, really clean, really, really good. Um, but I fought this AI and then it placed me in like the fifth level, which is fairly good. And, you know, I have I've played a lot of fighting games over the years and I was put in the fifth level and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I'm already halfway to the top. But I played 20 matches and I didn't win any. <laughs> and I got demoted four levels. Because the people just all of a sudden were just insane on it. And um, yeah, those guys had been watching videos. I've been training for a while because I got rinsed before I before I won my first match. That's that's intimidating. Yeah, the HP bars and stuff, you, you lose health pretty quickly. It, now the combo strings are less, but they're more damaging for sure. And like you can fill certain requirements and do like Roman cancels and time stops. And then you can just take off even more health. And do some crazy ass stuff. Why is it Roman? I actually don't know. I was wondering that myself. I don't know why it's called Roman cancel. Maybe it's a wrestling thing. You know, possibly, like... possibly. But yeah, you press like three face buttons and you can like time stop the game. And if you're like attacking a player, you get like a red buff and then time stops. and You can do stuff. If you're like not touching the player, you get like a purple buff and you get you just get different buffs depending on when you pause time. Like your Dio from JoJo. But the game is just really good to look at. It's, I don't know. There's something weird about Guilty Gear that's so appealing outside of it just being a fighting game. I could happily just watch people play it all day because it's absolutely gorgeous. It's above and beyond what Street Fighter or especially when I look at, (laughs) it's so funny because obviously SNK are doing King of Fighters 15 and you see them releasing the trailers for their characters in a similar way that Guilty Gear, you know, Arc Systems have been releasing Guilty Gear trailers and the difference in quality is just 
It's crazy to me. Like, everyone has a bit of a problem with the King of Fighters new 3D model art style. And it doesn't look bad, but it looks lifeless. And, like, there's no... Fighting games are built around those animations, you know? Everything's about frame data, so those animations have to sell the weight and the attack, and they have to be memorable. And in Guilty Gear, they're just memorable as hell. And you remember what flashy-ass stuff you were doing. Sometimes you have no idea what's going on, but you remember it. And it gets ingrained in you. And you look at stuff like what King of Fighters is doing. And it just, it looks very lifeless in comparison. Even like Street Fighter V, which had a really big update today. And, and you know, added like Dan Hibiki into the game. Dan. Yeah. And um, I think it's Eleven from Street Fighter III, uh, Third Strike. And I was watching streams of that. And I was like, oh man, you know, Street Fighter still looks pretty good. But coming off the back of playing Guilty Gear, I've, I would easily choose playing Guilty Gear any day. Could they get KOF 13 style pixel art to work in this art style? I don't know. I wish because 13 is easily one of the best. I played it recently on Xbox Game Pass just because I wanted to see it again. And that game's still glorious. Fantastic. And it it was made by tracing over 3D models that they used to Mm. make the poses. So it seems kind of similar. Yeah, they definitely advanced some techniques. It definitely must be more expensive, which is why they switched to, obviously, 3D models for uh, 14. Um, and, you know, SNK didn't really have much money <laughs> that long ago. So I don't know. I wish they would go back for 16 to 13's art style because 13 is just still one of the best looking fighting games out there. But right now, nothing can touch Guilty Gear. Like, if you thought Dragon Ball Fighters looked good and you thought Exerd and Revelator looked good, you're going to be blown away by this game as well. They've just, like, stepped up. And it's weird, because the character models, sometimes you look at them and they they don't look as clean as they do in Revelator and Exerd. Like, that had, like, really flat, bold cell shading. Whereas this time, they're a bit more prominent in their shadowing and lighting, so they look 3D. Whereas in uh, Exerd and Revelator, they still look like 2D, and then it would, you know pan the screen around to show you that it's 3d and you'd be like what the fuck is going on here in strive they definitely do a lot more 3d effects so the shadowing and the lighting of the characters is pretty great and it shows you the 3d but characters like giovanna have like really flat bold coloring across them and they have like gradients and they still look amazing but the one thing that strive does better than any game that i've seen right now fighting game wise is the backgrounds are wild there's one stage that has these giant rocket Buddha statues <laughs> that are like missiles firing into the sky. And there's hundreds of them. And I, the size of them is like what the head will fly past you in like the first minute of the round. And then by the 30th second, so 30 seconds will have passed, only then will the feet of the massive missile pass you. And for the whole time. This giant Buddha statue missile has just been flying past you of such a ginormous size. I don't even want to know what it looks like to optimize that kind of stuff. Um, It's pretty crazy. Um, The stage with Mai, uh, Mei, or whatever her name is, Mai, um, is pretty amazing. You have, like, these whale steampunk ships in the sky. There's an amazing, like, Venice-looking level that has, like, literal building ships, like, ships that have, like, Venetian buildings on top of them. Oh, God, it's crazy. Just watch some gameplay of this and you'll understand. It's it's quite mind-blowing. It's really special to see still in this era of how expensive games are to make and how much it costs to do stuff like that, to see a team 
really still be pushing the boundaries of how visually they can come across in their games and retain that wild style. Arc Systems are amazing at it, um, but they are uh, kudos to those guys. I really cannot wait now for the release. I wish it was sooner. Um, it's not until I think like June, maybe, but I'm excited. It was good, good fun. Not very often now that you just get that experience of looking at something that looks like a new way to render an image. Because yeah. whenever the camera does tilt along the z-axis and the characters don't, it it's really like, there. There is a, a there is a really good GDC talk from five years ago now of them talking about the tech they made for it, and it's all lighting. It's like all lighting trickery to flat like where you put the cell shading characters and the way you saturate colors across them to you know manipulate light sources so smart it, it kind of looks like what the nintendo 3ds 3d effect looks like, like yeah a, a little lot of, bit of depth to that screen that genuinely fools you for a second into thinking they're popping out as another layer on top of your screen do you remember what we were saying last week george when i was talking about uh teardown and yeah, just yeah. there it's fun and lovely and it's the same thing it gives me that giddy joy of like just experiencing it there's no there's nothing more to it like guilty gear has all this lore around it and stuff but nobody gives a shit right nobody cares and it's just flashy pure adrenaline fun and i I was having a great time thank you for indulging me <laughs> on a beta. Well, isn't that a good thing? Because now you know that the full game is is going to be somewhat representative of the fun you were having in this uh, slice they provided. I really do, and I hope that it just stays like that. I, sometimes fighting games for me, me and fighting games have a history of getting too serious. Like when I was really good at Marvelous Capcom Three, then and then it becomes like difficult because it's not fun. It's about where you're placing online and you know yeah. the fighting game community can be a bit serious like that but playing games with friends and nobody being better than anybody else everybody tends to have a character they're good at and the, nobody's like crazy good everyone's of a, a like understandable standing um it's just is fun you know it's like playing smash to me uh but the trailer for eno classic guilty gear character dropped and her redesign looks great she looks really fun to play just like she was in exerd or Revelator. So, yeah, I'm excited to play. I want it now. I want it want it right now. Also, bring it to Xbox so I can have it on Game Pass. I miss Fight Sticks. Yeah, dude. I'm going to have to buy a new one just for this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that, uh, that, that joy, that innocence, that pure happiness is something I'm so, so jealous of. <laughs> George, you can't play competitive games, man. It, there's you can't you can't you get too crazy man yeah i know i get i'm scared i'm scared i know i'll never be great at guilty gear and i think i'm just resigned to myself <laughs> that that is the case so i'm just gonna enjoy it <laughs> just gonna enjoy it okay it comes out april 9th so six weeks from now so by the time june 1st rolls around i'll be upset and pissed that i'm not good at guilty gear anymore and will have given up <laughs> yeah that's what happens i'm gonna buy a stick I'm like, man, I'm going to learn this game. Then I'm going to work, and I'm not going to have enough time to play. And then when <laughs> I get back online, I'm going to get my ass kicked over and over again. And then over I'm like, I'm not going to give up that again. first time. I'm not going to give up that second time. But that third time, 
I'm going to get my <laughs> ass kicked really fucking hard. And I'm just going to be like, you know what? That's it. Well, actually, so it's funny you say that because the one thing that I sort of think took the edge off the competitiveness a little bit was, I'll be honest, right? Arc Systems do this weird thing in every game where their online lobbies is like a game within a game. And it's honestly quite garbage. So in this one, you have these of these obviously levels of a tower towards heaven. And you got heaven or hell, which is, you know, the Guilty Gear motto. But the idea is you walk around with this like polygonal voxel-based character that represents you, and then you just run into random people in this lobby, and then you challenge them to a fight. It's garb it's honestly garbage. And it's so weird. You can like dress the character up and do stuff, and you can you yourself can like ready with a with a different weapon, like you're ready for a fight. It's really odd. I don't know if you guys have seen One Piece, but you know the wanted posters in One Piece? I don't know if you've ever seen them. But you get like them in Guilty Gear Strive with like a with a like a ranking price of how much you cost to uh, like what your score is. It's pretty cool, but the lobbies are super weird. I remember Dragon Ball Z Fighters lobbies were also just as weird. Maybe they'll fix that and make it better. I doubt it, but it kind of took the edge off the competitiveness because I was like, this is silly. This is just silly. And I'm all here for it. How does it make sure that it's matching you up with someone of a good skill if you're kind of doing it manually on a map you're walking around? Well, that's what that's what the tower levels are for, right? You get either promoted or demoted depending on how many games you're winning, depending on how much you're losing. You lose your rank on a floor if you go underneath a certain like a certain amount. So you always gain score. And that's the one thing I do like about it, actually. From what I could tell, there isn't like a real ELO to it. It's just how much, uh, whatever your score is. Um, but you still get points even if you lose. But it's very noticeable how many points you get when you win and you fly up in levels. So what happens if, if you just lose forever? What what happens then? Well, you're still gaining points, so I think it's not so disheartening. But yeah, you'll end up on like I think it's level ten, and it's like it's called like uh, what was it? It's it's called something stupid, and I'm paraphrasing Super hell. something. It's just called like worse hell, unbeatable hell, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like they're just trapped there, <laughs> and they're like <laughs> shoveling coal into like fires and stuff. And yeah, it looks really weird. But I was watching some people play in the Tower of Heaven. And supposedly you have to win like five matches in a row to like stay there. And if you don't, you get demoted right down to the bottom level and you have to go all the way through again. Seems pretty brutal for like good players, which is good. Hey, you should check. <laughs> you should check it out. It's, it's fucking it's great. And new characters like Nagaruyuki and Giovanna give me hope that some of the new characters they're designing are going to be really fun. Also, Faust looks really scary, which is the first. Faust is crazy. Oh man, I'm impressed. Man, I I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. You guys remember the last couple times I got into fighting games, right? This is this is a tough fighting game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember, George. George, I remember. I remember. We still talk about dive kick. <laughs> I have enjoyed them in the past, but but it seems like they don't uh, inspire positive memories of my behavior. No, they do not. They do not, man. Yeah. I remember our soul calibrating nights, George. Right, right. See, you've experienced George. You've experienced him in full. Like, in the beginning, it's fun. In the beginning, like, George is great. And then there's this moment (laughs) where George changes. There's, 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 there's the part (laughs) where, where your skill curve is not matching up with whoever else (laughs) is there. And you can just, like, 
get into these 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 lockdowns of of either always losing or like like in smash or always winning like in dive kick <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. it's just repetitive and the same outcome keeps happening and if if you're on the losing end of that it feels especially shitty but you know if you're on the winning end of it like i was with dive kick it feels pretty good pretty good you know, I can see why someone would want to bring it up again after after years of it going on. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you see, you see what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can have a rematch live on um on the Discord. You know, everyone watching, we can do that. Oh, we should have some money matches inside of oh, the Discord. I will put some money on it, George. It seems like like the the feature is currently broken. We're gonna have to wait for the next patch to mm-hmm. to roll out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can't play ahead of the time. We gotta we gotta be years out of practice. Just just muscle memory, dive kick. Like like hundreds of miles of lag. I I don't think um that's that's tournament quality oh, okay, connections. Okay. So that you make excuses if you lose, huh? Well, it depends because if we're playing Strive, then we got rollback netcode now, so <laughs> no excuses. Everything <laughs> shall be fine. Rollback netcode sounds so bad to me. It sounds it, that term. The term itself sounds so bad. <laughs> it, the term itself sounds so bad, but it's what saves you. It's yeah. great. But but I want to roll forwards into mm-hmm. my next uh, victory. Oh, so you're gonna say next topic? And I was like, that's a really good segue, but you didn't. Oh, hear. F- f- fuck, fuck off! <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I. It's it's only been what like three full days, kind of sort of on the morning of the fourth since the last recording, and I uh. Oh yeah, I, I I I don't know if I have had an opportunity to play something exciting and new in that time. I mean, we got we got Matt here though, right? That can that can liven things up a bit. Hey, hey. <laughs> you're just well, relying the whole podcast on Matt. That's uh, same as usual. <laughs> exciting stories, or is it just life? Oh, I just I mean, I just been at a doing a big project at work and uh usually that takes a lot of time we're talking about 14 plus hour days and 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 no video games so no video games sadly they take a lot of time you know yep yeah i i do wonder how ah man i can't believe that i haven't managed to finish persona 4 and other big long things like that and i seriously wonder if like knowing that 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 matt somehow has the time for that and also the full-time job it, it, it kills me <laughs> how 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 even so for you just gotta dedicate some time man but that's 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 not when i'm doing big projects that's, that's there is that's no impossible. way <laughs> that is impossible Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's impossible to do anything when you when you're working those types of days, man. You got to get some sleep. No, no. Well, um, over over the weekend, I I did actually get into a uh, new genre of music. I I discovered that uh, I wanted to to rant and rave about instead. Which is so weird because right? you never wanted to talk about music ever on this podcast. This must have been such a revelation for you that that we're now talking about it but there have been requests there have been sing ones of i don't know if it's more than 10 or not but there have been multiple requests 
more than one for us to do a similar segment to this where we're like we're trying to to get George to develop some sort of sense of taste at all in music. So it's so funny you said that because then the first example that you have down here honestly made me burst out laughing because I don't yeah. know whether you realize the yeah. irony or you're being genuine about Wait, are you serious? No. Rebecca Black's Friday. Oh my god, George. Remix. We we all remember Rebecca Black's Friday from 10 years ago, right? See, I, we, see because you posted this, I wasn't sure if you <laughs> if you were even aware. Oh my god. Okay, you look at like the third word on on the list of the video. So, we all remember where we were 10 years ago when Rebecca Black released her her hit single Friday, right? I was a Time and a place. It was it was like nine eleven for for Zoomers, I guess. Because now that it's been ten years, Rebecca Black has made a remake remix of Friday that is dumb. Not bad. Oh, you think it's dumb? This is what you like, George. Is this what you like? I've got to admit, this video is pretty dumb. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna smash it if this is what you like. I mean, I, I mean, it's. It, but the whole point is is to satirize the the shitty memes from back then, the the shitty quality of the original song, the shitty fake ass version of home life fantasy that it depicts. That she's then kind of spinning around with this um, flavor of Zoomer hyper irony that simultaneously makes fun of how shitty the original music is, while at the same time explores a new way that these kids online are expressing themselves. You think it's that smart? You really think it's that smart? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have references to the, the meme face images from, from yeah. 2009 in the, in the video. There's um, celebrity appearances from, from 303, who was a popular artist 10 years ago, maybe not as much anymore. But the line in the video that that he's using is like really clever wordplay. It's like it's been 10 years and it's 303 on Friday. That means multiple things, depending on how you interpret it, I guess. I enjoy the visual style of the video. It is deliberately hyperactive, candy colored craziness that reflects the hyperactive attention deficit hyperstimulation that this generation of kids is growing up under. There, There is even some 90s FPS inspiration with, with how it handles her hands and the POV shots. And also there's this section in the middle where they have a deep-voiced rapping drag queen named Big Frida who shows up to rap about how great Friday is. Uh, earlier in the video, a... a more lighter voice drag king named Dorian Electra shows up and that sent me down a huge rabbit hole that I I I, I want to share. I'm watching the gentleman my lady official yes. video which I must admit is partly genius. <laughs> Abs absolutely. Um, the Rebecca Black Friday remake is supposed to be inside of a, a weird new genre that the Zoomers are making called hyperpop. That sounds like alien music to to old people like me. But it's popularized by by such artists as 100 Gex and Dorian Electra. And so far as I can tell, another way I guess to describe it is to be really freaking good at combining a whole variety store shelf of musical genres. The Gentleman Milady song goes from from like stereotypical midi medieval style video game music to like bouncy hip hop rap beats to um. 
I don't even know how to describe some of this stuff because it does feel like like a new cutting edge of pop music itself. Like they're taking auto-tune as a serious instrument, for example. A lot of the gender-bendy queer themes of the music is represented by how the vocal track of the music will go from a deep-voiced masculine tone to a high-pitched feminine one to the point where like you as a listener can't really distinguish and just has to roll with the flow. So this Gentleman Milady video makes usage of gamer imagery and gamer terms <laughs> and, and gamer humor to satirize a exaggerated gamer stereotype, which, you know, me being a part of that crowd thought was absolutely fucking hilarious. I mean, there's scenes where they're pumping Mountain Dew breast milk from mannequins and, and slicing jugs of, of energy drinks in slow motion with swords. It's a hilarious parody of an extreme social stereotype from maybe five years ago that still is going to resonate with kids now. And, and there's a message to this stuff, like uh, like the Rebecca Black Friday video. Her, her message when she released it was, I wanted to make something that shows that no matter what happens to you on the internet, you can still end up okay. This is nature healing a generation of kids who grew up to post cringe. This is one of those kids growing up to try and, and say back, no, it's okay, you can post cringe, it's not the end of the world. The imagery of, of the video depicts it, but the language of the Dorian Electra videos tackle internet harassment, which is something that like Zoomers would have grown up natively from, from day zero having to, to understand. The songs are about toxic bullies on the internet. The songs are about weird genderqueer genderbending issues. They're never about like the singer just being horny or how fun the party is. They're really clever lyrics made with really good writing that tackle unconventional themes. It does not surprise me that the first time you ever really get into music, it's still gamer related and essentially meme music and not really music. And I think that's what's so fascinating about this. Not really music, fuck off. I'm going to go ahead and say it's pretty trash. I, I like your explanation. You know, you went really George with it, but it's still trash music. And I would never listen to, I can't, I will never listen to that song beginning to end. That would make my ears bleed, for sure. I, I think you should give the Dorian Electra Flamboyant album a shot with a tab of lyrics in the other side of your window with, like, explanations and references to them. Does it sound like Friday? No, no, it doesn't. Oh, okay, then. Then I'm game. I have a link. The last one on the list is called Adam and Steve. And it's a kind of dramatic climax to this album that begins with uh, the artist satirizing burly, tough, masculine characters as soft, gentle, submissive characters, and then turns into this like aggressive Lady Gaga style gay pride anthem at the end that, that I, I got a whole bunch of tingles from. It's like, it's really, really gay music that is well incredibly well produced the music like this has existed for a long time though i know but it's it's incredibly well produced enough and there's there's so much talent getting put through it and the the tackles and the lyrics are um broad enough that i i think it's it's something that anyone can still relate to 
on that satisfying level that you get from listening to a concept album that gradually starts to have a story that, that pulls itself together. The Adam and Steve song is a lot better, but music like this has existed for a long time. This isn't like anything new. I think the gamer thing has a theme that maybe the Milady one is based off that meme and is about gamers and gamer people like, you know, we know who we're talking about here. Um, so that theme has been explored. The music and the imagery and stuff like that is not anything new. Yeah. Okay. George, you got you gotta you gotta you gotta, li- you gotta listen to more songs, man. I I was doing exactly freaking that. I, I'm happy to hear that you have been listening to music. Yeah, me too. Music is the gateway to the soul, my friend. It's 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 good to see you get passionate about music because it was always there. And now the door has been opened. Now you can listen to more music. Yeah. And more. Can you imagine George gets so deep that he creates a music channel and he just talks about <laughs> and music. He starts writing about the themes of music. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, this Pandora's box of years of having not listened to music, he suddenly realized what he missed. <laughs> like the the next Anthony Fantano. <laughs> but like, apparently, I don't know because yeah, it is ubiquitously agreed that the original Rebecca Black Friday song is bad. That that's kind of the whole point. But it still became a part of the popular consensus. It was the number one most disliked video on YouTube. Like it or not, believe it or not, the influence of Rebecca Black's Friday was huge. Yeah, but nobody's doubting that. But we're not talking about it influencing music. We're talking about it influencing internet culture. There's two very different things. I don't think it influenced music. It influenced internet culture for sure. Nobody's arguing that. It's like Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style didn't influence music. No mm. Korean artist started sort of making Gangnam Style ripoffs. In fact, Korean music swang the entire other way and was more Western influenced than ever. But it changed internet culture. It changed what you can create on YouTube and, you know, make, especially musically, like you can create different like i think you're right when you say conceptual pieces and stuff like that but i don't think it changed music it's very different but in 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 any case what the attempt here at making a like legitimately good remake of friday would be to capitalize on what a lot of kids feel is actual nostalgia they associate with this song that i would not be able to relate to otherwise like there's so many comments who are talking about how seeing these rage comic faces from 2010 feel like seeing an old friend again and that doesn't feel like it to me it feels like like that reminds me of anxiety like i was taking a bunch of tests and exams at the time that sounds terrifying that really bad memes that ended up spiraling into being associated with really bad things are like nostalgia trips for some kids that's really weird and enfolding the nostalgia trip of being on the receiving end of all that hate and harassment is is kind of sort of the point of, of Rebecca Black's newer stuff uh, that she is trying to do by trying to take a more serious stab at making silly YouTube pop music videos that uh, 10 years ago was a total faux pas and, and nowadays is considered an exceptional thing that every kid's trying to do when they grow up to be something. I think you would like Sophie, George. It's just Sophie? Yeah, capital letters. Unfortunately, they passed away literally last month. But I think you would like their music. 
I'm definitely definitely going down a, a I think you would see parallels. A a big hole of of YouTube gender bendy music that uh seems to have been a big thing that was waiting to be discovered. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you, George. It's about damn time. And maybe maybe the Discord lot will start listening to it and they might be with you. Cause they might they're all they're all Zoomers. <laughs> See, I just saw a picture of Jared Leto as the Joker dressed like Jesus, and now I just don't care about anything. I think you might have seen a screenshot of another Dorian Electra uh, YouTube music video. No, similar. Similar, but somehow worse. <laughs> There's another song called Edgelord where it's all all about that that obsession zoomer oh, kids no. have with the joker don't a song called edgelord oh my god she I, I, they, I, no. there's a song called edgelord it features rebecca black no <laughs> you, you know you know we're we're at that age where we look at the internet and younger people are talking about us like we're like we're idiots mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're like all fucking yeah. millennials and i'm like wait what that, that when when did that become a thing that's that's what's gonna happen to every generation ever. Like we would say stuff to boomers, and now like we're we, we're we're being called trash. I'm like, damn. I thought we were all right. Like millennials are all right, right? We don't we don't trip, right? We're cool. <laughs> we're cool. <laughs> we're cool. I'm cool. <laughs> one 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 thing that that I've seen a lot that really resonates with me is like so cool. <laughs> Why the fuck do all these millennials have such a big obsession with the 90s? Because they were, they, it was like, uh, it's like people our age being obsessed with the 80s. Uh-huh. And people in the 80s were obsessed with the 60s. But then the internet happened and all of the pop culture got to be uploaded permanently forever for no one to forget about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the, the 90s was special, though. Was special. I work pretty closely with a kid who's 22. And he's, uh, you know, he's straight out of university. He's a programmer. Great lad. Mm. Man, some of the cultural gaps between us. Yeah. And I'm only 30. There's only eight years. There's only eight years. Okay. Yeah. With all due respect, taking whatever steps to keep them anonymous, I would love to hear some stories. Because this is what really fascinates me. Like... Because cause I feel like my my career and place on the internet especially has me overlooking this generational shift. It's there. It's There absolutely is a, some sort of generational gap between Zoomers and Millennials. There is like a weird, like, just cultural difference. Like, and and it's weird because your, your Venn diagram is quite large, right? There's a lot of the internet that obviously having grown up throughout all of it, I know and understand. And I still understand being on Twitter every day and the social zeitgeist of social media, but there's like just memes and shit that seems weird and immature to me and strange that like, you know, were his back when he was like on the internet, like five years ago or whatever. And I'm like, five years ago was nothing, but that yeah. was a cultural moment for some people, like whatever was happening around then. Um, and it's weird. Cause he's kind of like a good kid, right? He's like, quite mellow and relaxed. And he's a bit more, I don't know whether it's like me growing up in the night is listening to, fucking metal and like and, and like Linkin Park and Paparazzi and stuff I was like fucking 
vandalizing and skateboarding and yeah. smoking pot and like drinking and vandalizing shit. And, kids, and and kids like you know these days are just like a little meme lords right and they're, they're kind of i don't know i'm just throwing out that maybe a bit soft i, I, don't, I don't know right? <laughs> you know that's what boomer said about millennials right and we're soft there you go right yeah maybe we're soft to them but <laughs> maybe i am just old already <laughs> yeah maybe we are man maybe we are <laughs> I worry about the dehumanization and the alienation of how much more intense the competition between kids gets when they're competing with the internet as well as their like social circle in real life. I I, I really worry that, that that creates a lot of rough, hard bastards. <laughs> I worry about social media as well. Just that effect on a child. Yeah. Or yeah. that's something you can't really protect them from or, or go back on it all that's just a part of the world everyone's gonna have to accept yeah on as, it, as, as time goes on i mean you could go so deep on that i've been definitely trying to been trying to decrease my social media usage in the past two weeks <laughs> I, I've think, made a conscious I think effort. i've been trying to decrease mine too uh <clears throat> That's why I haven't been tweeting as much, you know. You're still you're still on Twitter. <laughs> I really have to like find a system of tweeting. <laughs> just like every day. You should just you should just make a bot and pretend it's you. Oh, you know what? I should. Yeah, just do the setup I a should. bot that has like generic Matt phrases. <laughs> just George and then something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I like it. <laughs> It's just, it's just a bunch of them, yeah. <laughs> but what would we do if we needed to tell the difference in an emergency between the bot you and the real you, and Twitter was the only way to contact you? Like, like what if there was a giant boulder rolling down a mountain on the way to your house, and yeah. all the phone lines were down, and we could only warn you through Twitter? I'll, I'll get one of those new AI bots, you know, the good ones. Well, there would be a kill a kill phrase, right? Like, what could yeah. we say that would trigger yeah. real Matt, but not bot Matt? Bananas. So everyone's, everyone tweets bananas to me, and then the bot was like, oh, danger. <laughs> That's the same word. Or maybe word. you have to, like, like, tweet at promotions for MapleStory trial runs or something. <laughs> and, like, teach the bot to, to like MapleStory. Oh. Oh my god. Can you tell us the lore of Maple Story? And the robot's like, uh, 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 Matt's straight in there. Matt knows what he's talking about. We're gonna sign Bot Matt's Twitter account up for all the Guild Wars 2 channels and, and promotions. Oh gosh. If, yeah, if my, if my bot doesn't say, oh boy, when you mention Guild Wars 2, then you know. Oh boy, that's it. All right, we can get started writing on it now. And you know it's not me, it's the bot. <laughs> Matt, the new expansion is coming out. <laughs> You're going to make some videos? <laughs> no. I'm not going to make any videos. The bot's just like, fuck you. Oh, my God. That, that time that time is past, my friend. Oh, my God. Are you sure? I don't know, Matt. As six years been, is, I don't think it's long enough for you. <laughs> that time is past. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What did people used to tell us when we were on the internet, um, George? Well, you're still on the internet, but like, get a real job. Oh. Get a real job. Get a real job. God, I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase so much. But yeah, I, I got a, I got a real job. I guess in 2021, what the fuck even is a real job? Yes, <laughs> Come exactly. On. 
Exactly. Man. I, I I always thought there would be more more health insurance attached to the jobs than uh, there turned out to be. I, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's Jesus. what they all the all the adults said jobs give you, and it turns out that was a fucking lie. I was without insurance for years, for years <laughs> until recently. And our parents thought that was rock bottom. <laughs> They yeah, don't man. know how low we can go. I mean, they don't know, man. Jeez. Yeah, man. Oh god. Oh god. No, we talk, started talking about real stuff. Let's get back to the video games. Oh, talk about memes again. I'm I'm still interested in this generation gap between you and and your your fresh hire, the the new talent. Like 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 regarding the memes that they like that you don't, or or like the way they understand the internet. Like uh how do they treat Facebook, for example? I know that's one thing where like millennials will use it as a network of friends and they'll be serious. Zoomers will just shit post all over their Facebooks. I don't know, but it feels like I don't know about you guys, but memes like they're funny, but they're not like they're not life like they are with them Zoomers. They're not life. They're not my lifeblood, right? Yeah. Whereas you can tell from some of our audience itself, like in the Discord, like memes are their lifeblood. And this kid is the same, right? He told me, and I'm going to tell the story. And if he's listening, dude, I apologize. Okay? Wait, what? You think he listens to your podcast? Does he know? He might do. He might do. Actually, he said a couple of funny things that make me laugh. This kid's great. I do. I love him. He's great. But he did say. Yeah, you're just saying that because he's listening. <laughs> no, he's great. He's great. He's a good kid. Um, but I, I, I will say, so I'm going to use his story because it's great. So I think this is maybe this is the downfall of society because this is what Zoom is like. So we were talking about missing plane flights mm-hmm. and I've never missed a plane flight. I'm somebody who has to arrive at the airport like two hours before my flight. Same. I'll have some food, make yeah, sure I'm yeah. checked in, and then be there, like, the gate. Get yourself nice and loosened up for the, the agents. Absolutely. Like, Stretch it out When first. I'm flying, like, that day going to the airport is a write-off, right? It's like, the airport is my only mission, and then everything mm-hmm. else doesn't fucking matter. And he, he he's young. He's a young guy. Um, he was flying back from university, I think, to go visit his parents when he was studying. So he must have been 18, 19 or whatever. And he said he missed a flight because he was making a meme on his phone. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. God. That is something we would not do. <laughs> that's that's. That's true, isn't it? And it's like, and I was like, oh my God, it must have been the best meme ever. And he was like, no, I was just making it for a friend in a group chat. It wasn't even like something I posted on the internet. <laughs> and that's the thing is he doesn't post like on Twitter or social media very often. He He's not somebody who wants to post like that. But in like conversation, right? Like with friends of his age and people he studied with, you know, it's all about the memes. It's all about the memes. He, he actually has great t-shirts like he has literally the neon genesis evangelion garfield t-shirt <laughs> that oh hell yeah cracks cracks me up yeah he, he he walked in the other day when i saw him and he was wearing a t-shirt that had a crying anime boy on it <laughs> that said that said that that it was just his white t-shirt with a with a like a like a clip art anime character crying on it that said it's just anime dad or it's called anime dad wait wait oh yeah that's right is this is a japanese guy no 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 he's an american dude american guy he's, in japan yeah he's an american kid yeah. at 22 
Wait, yeah, dude. Wait, wait. How? What's the story there? Hey, he's a, he. Well, he's a programmer. He's a he's a really talented young guy. So he just flew over. He he wasn't born there, right? I'm assuming. No, no, no. Yeah. What the? Got fuck? himself a job. <laughs> what? I'm confused. What? <laughs> Twenty two programmer, really good programmer, flew over there for this job or he was already there for for a job yeah 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 oh, okay okay yeah. okay 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 wow, so that's dope. unrelated to me yeah oh okay Completely. okay okay yeah crazy wow. and he missed a plane flight because of the memes he's great great kid wow. but these damn. zoomers these goddamn zoomers <laughs> what would you say to your parents what would you say if i missed a flight cuz i was making a meme I would tell them I was creating content. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's our, yeah, that's, yeah, Zoom, yeah. does Zoomers say that, or is that a millennial thing? Creating We're content. content creators. The Zoomers are meme lords. <laughs> I do wonder if, uh, if, if that's going to make as big a cultural stamp for a few years as, like, early television did. Because just like television is kind of a stream of, of new media getting blasted to you 24 7 until you turn it off it's kind of sort of how the infinite scroll functions of social media works it never turns off you're you're always i don't know about you guys but i absolutely have a part of my brain a tick in there that wants me to go back and see if i missed something oh uh, you have to you have to pull yourself out these days i yeah. i'm i'm worried about missing it because it'll go away yeah. and that's something yeah. that didn't happen on web 2.0 when it was thought of as the internet being a permanent archive of a, of a static electronic version of a piece of paper versus a living pulsating organism that drips posts that dry up in the ground that go away yeah the, it, it's a case of now it's like you have to put it you have to Take it under control. And recently I've been trying to do that um, because it is that infinite scroll and you feel like you're missing things. I used to feel it really badly. Like when I first moved to Japan and I was on a different time zone to everybody, like it was really kind of rough. Like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be scrolling through like six hours of stuff that happened mm -hmm. because I'd feel like I'd missed out. Right. And then you don't realize that you're actually ahead of everybody else. But yeah, sometimes news happens when I'm asleep and then you wake up in the morning and you feel, I don't know, you feel a bit shit for not like seeing it live or seeing it happen. And yeah, you, you're out of the loop. It's yeah, yeah it's a bit weird. I, I was just like, I was just playing Hunt Showdown during the Capitol riots. Everyone was talking about what they were doing and where they <laughs> were at the time. And I was just, I wasn't there. <laughs> that week george the less we say the less we speak about the better yeah i yeah. found out at the end of the day before bed <laughs> i think that's good for you george that is good yeah imagine not knowing oh i did read a story about a 15 year old kid who was hit by a car and put in a coma and oh, then okay. woke up and, and, <laughs> and, and he didn't know about the pandemic and they had to explain to him what had happened in the past year and he was like oh damn i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation because apparently he got coronavirus while in the coma oh damn what damn that doesn't even make any sense what he well, he was in a hospital and not allowed to leave either a nurse or another patient or someone walking through the air. Okay, someone visiting. Oh, that's right. 
uh, hospitals are a hot spot for that thing, you know. And I was there all the time during you <laughs> before were I quit. You were <laughs> I remember telling people, and they're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Yeah, they stepped back. They're like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Two, three steps back. Zero steps forward. What? (laughs) It's impressive I survived this long. Well, kids are great. Corona sucks. I'm I'm playing games this week, guys. I'm playing (gasps) games this week. Wait, I thought you weren't. As in, you're going to play games. I'm going to play play games this week. I'm I'm at the end of my project. I'm I'm good to go. What are you going to play? Give us, give us a titillating tease. You no, know, it's gonna be a new game. It's gonna be a new one, a part two of a new game that came out last week. Cool. I had it downloaded and ready, and I just never got a chance to play it. Is it Chinese? No, it's not Chinese. What game? Wait. <laughs> no, part it's two? it's 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 something that you can actually see. So, I played the first one of that, and I talked about it a long time ago. But it it's like a small. Small little game. I, I can't believe they, they finally made a sequel to Yandere Simulator. Wait, what? No, they but Yandere the Simulator <laughs> hasn't even came out. <laughs> no, oh, no, Matt. I'm just yeah. I'm just I'm just shitting. Yeah, my, my most viewed videos on my on my channel are the those stupid fucking Yandere Simulator videos. <laughs> I could have been an anime YouTuber, guys. At least you didn't get at least you didn't get known as the Yandere Simulator guy. Because that would have been worse. Yeah, I stopped that real quick. I was just like, oh no. I remember oh, no, getting my like reputation <laughs> fifteen thousand subscribers in the span of just like a week. And I was just like, nah, this is not this is not what I'm this is not who I am. <laughs> this is not who I'm for. This episode was sponsored by Skillshare, an online learning community that hosts thousands of online classes for illustration, design, photography, animation, and believe it or not, game development too. But just in case you wanted to follow in our footsteps while getting advice from actual real professionals, I wanted to recommend how to make a podcast with Spotify's John Lagamassino, who's been making viral internet content since 2002. You'll be learning the tricks that make a show popular, You'll make a practice episode of your own, and you'll get to be able to ask questions and get feedback along the way. Skillshare classes are also short and searchable by time, so you'll get it done by the time I finish Xenoblade Chronicles. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com forward slash dadandsons, where our listeners get a free trial of premium membership. Once again, that's Skillshare.com forward slash dadandsons. You know what is on my YouTube channel for everyone to remember forever, years in the future? What? There's a bunch of videos about how cool the Wii U was. <laughs> I remember uh, that. Yeah, we got it late. We both got it late to play Smash, and we had the controllers. Man, those were those were the times. Things were simple back then, George. I, I went so far out of my way to get the GameCube adapter for the mm-hmm. Wii Wii U. And I mean, I I don't regret it. I that thing got plenty of usage in in the year and a half that that it was around, and it's still compatible with the Switch and the new version of Smash. I I think back on how much time and effort I put into evangelizing for the Wii U. Yeah. And and then how it it fizzled out and went to kaput. Did you guys know that? Uh, Did you last, know? More like two weeks ago, when Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury came out, which Liam picked up and played, he was part of this statistic. That thing sold 190% more than the Wii U original. And that was like like five years ago 
on a completely different platform with this tie-in game that's still at the full price and it's still beat it by double. It's really, really putting into perspective just how obsolete all of my Wii U evangelism is going to be looking in the future. I was looking at that game, Liam. How is it? I had a great time. I finished the 3D World now um, again. Oh, damn. You finished it? I finished it. It must have been good. It was. It was. It's lovely. Is it co-op on the same console? Yeah. <sighs> Can you? Ooh. It's got four-player multiplayer. Ooh, that might be a buy. Um, and I started playing Bowser's Fury. Started playing it. I haven't finished oh, yeah, that yet. Yeah. You didn't uh, last week, so this is this is news to us. No, I hadn't last week. I started playing it over the weekend while I was in between the Guilty Gear servers being down. And so far, it's really weird because I played all of 3D World in handheld mode on the Switch, just on the couch, watching TV, mm. playing great bite-sized meal pieces of Mario. The levels, I really like the 3D World level design a lot. Cameras have been annoying. Bowser's Fury is completely different. It's like a hybrid open world experience that I don't know if I like it yet, because even though it's trying to be like, this isn't linear, this is uh, open world. It's actually quite, it's not as big as it tries to portray itself. So the, it still is quite limited, but it doesn't have like the specific niche linear design of 3D world. So the levels don't feel as like meaningful or as impactful. Um, as the 3D world ones, which are concise, you know, they the idea is you get from point A to point B. But it looks really nice. It looks like a step up from Odyssey a little bit. And everything's themed around the cat power-up. So I guess if you don't like the cat power-up, then maybe you're not going to enjoy this. But so far, pretty decent. It's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting experiment, it seems. And I'm eager to play more. I don't know yet how I feel, truly. It's like a hybrid of what Mario Odyssey is and also what 3D World is. So it'll be interesting to play some more. Yeah, I might jump on that. It doesn't surprise me that it's old. Like, it's basically what Switch, uh, Switch owners are going to buy at the start of this year. Mm -hmm. You know, there is at least 190% more Switch owners than there are Wii U owners. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me. At least. <laughs> well, even it, it gets worse. Or better, I mean, depending on on how embarrassed you are about being a big fan of the Wii U. I like the Wii U. Let's let we all like the Wii U. It's fine. Even though it it beat the original by a factor of, of double, this is actually just the third biggest Mario game on the Switch, ahead of Mario Maker Two and Mario Brothers U Deluxe and Mario 3D All Stars. I wonder why Odyssey is not on there. But um, <laughs> yeah, the the Wii U that was. That was small. That was tiny. Odyssey. Wow. Odyssey. Trash game. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like <laughs> the, the biggest like, no. defender of it, but I don't know if I'd say it's a trash game. I'm joking. It's I'm not. Joking. <laughs> but I will admit, playing 3D World, I had a way better time. Like, yeah, of course you did. It's a fucking Mario game. Mario, the designers of Mario, and this is why I'm still telling, I'm still, I'm going to do it and you're all going to hate me. Like I said before on the podcast, all Mario Maker levels suck because you don't understand what fucking makes a good Mario game. The 3D World is a good example of like Mario designers doing what they do, which is every level is designed around an orientation and a goal. You get from point A to point B by experiencing whatever that orientation is, which it could be 
jumping. It could be the cat power up. It could be timing. It could be something. But each level is like a mini diorama that has a theme and a goal that orientates the player from point A to point B. And it's fucking tight and it feels good. And apart from the camera, it's hella, hella dope. Odyssey is about Mario's moveset and how the player experiments with that moveset uh, across a, you know, sort of 360 plane and you can do whatever you want. And it's a bit loosey-goosey, right? And the the way they make you explore the world is to pump it full of moons just everywhere. So it always feels like no matter what you're climbing, no matter what you're scaling, it feels impactful. The flip side of that, though, is that there's so much that it doesn't feel impactful and it feels like you're doing the same thing over and over again. And while I did enjoy Odyssey, going back and playing a pure, I want to say pure, like in quotes, Mario game that has a linear structure mm. and is designed around a level having a theme and an orientation, etc. It just feels so much better to go back and play a game like that. Yeah, um, it's really tight. Very, very talented people. I'm, I'm, I might have to go pick up All Stars and Mario World. Call it a day. Yeah, All Stars. Bowser's Fury seems pretty like. I mean, you get 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Like, of course, it's a re-release of a Wii U game, but if you've not played it, I don't know, that $60 seems pretty good. I was mildly tempted to pick it up and play some co-op IRL. Yeah. Because yeah. those, those were good memories of the, the Wii U original that had maybe like a, a quarter or something of, of the install base. I, I miss couch co-op, man, so much. I miss it. The Switch's um, pull-out controllers, though, were... Real, real good for that. Like the smartest, one of the smartest things was uh, including a second controller by default, so that you don't have to go looking for them. Shame the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just can't have uh, nice things, can you? No. Yo, dude, did you guys see that the PS5 controllers are drifting now too? Yeah. And and like like YouTubers are disassembling them and making videos about the problem what points. The yeah, apparently wow. you can expect more news like those uh, Switch drift reports, but... I do think that Sony will tackle the problem pretty quickly, though, because... God, it's discouraging. Both Sony and Microsoft don't have the kind of, um, what is it, the good grace that Nintendo get from fans, so mm. they'll have to fix that pretty quickly, considering also, you know, it's a pack-in, so... And it's one of their main features, you know, the DualShock... Yeah, five, whatever it's called, the, the dual, dual sense. sense. When you want to talk about expensive, spending sixty dollars on a fucking controller is too expensive. It's so discouraging hearing that news, especially after dealing with all my hardware failures from the Valve Index. Like the idea that video game controllers are something that's just expected to fail after a few years yeah. sounds like a future I don't want to live Man. in. Xbox Series X controller, baby, not failed me yet. Still going strong. Man, I miss those old three sixty controllers. I mean, I really, really liked the, the, yeah, the, the Series X controller I just bought, but at this point, you can't tell until it's been a few years. Yeah. I gotta admit, though, even though the Switch Pro Con, uh, the Joy-Cons drift, the Pro controller is still going strong. Still great controller. No problem, no problem with that one. Uh, the Wii U one <laughs> that I still have that works with an adapter. The Wii U controller? The Wii, I have a Pro controller for that as well, but the Wii U controller? Damn, that tablet. I imagine that dusty old fucking still work today. Mm -hmm. I can't uh, verify the, the tablet, but the Wii U Pro controller that I bought back in 2015 
Can you use that with a switch? I think you can. There's an adapter that that you have to plug into the USB port and and you use that to sync up to Bluetooth buttons. And it's kind of finicky because you can't turn the switch on and off with the Wii U Pro controller. And you have to go through the syncing method every time. But I've never felt tempted to buy an actual Switch Pro controller because of that. So I mean, you can't turn it off with the GameCube controller either. Nope. That button is is not there. Speaking of Nintendo being in good graces of people, man, this is like another news story where I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that name in, in over a decade. Dinosaur Planet has been dug up from the ground, dusted off, uh, ch- chiseled out of the rocks and put into a museum for everyone to gawk at. Uh, get it? Get the metaphor. You belong in a museum. A Swedish collector, which I guess is going to be a question we're going to have to ask at some point. A Swedish collector had a build of Dinosaur Planet that was evidently fairly late in development when they were in the process of transitioning it over into a Star Fox game. Because unlike in earlier builds, you're not playing as the, the girl dinosaur who wasn't named Crystal or the girl fox. She was named like Pyra or something, or am I thinking of the Smash? <laughs> In any case, yeah. this is a version of Dinosaur Planet that looks a whole lot like uh, Star Fox, the first few levels at least, of Star Fox Adventures. Yeah. You're playing as Fox McCloud. Um, Crystal is there with a different character design. General Scales is there with uh, almost the same character design. There's um, levels that look clearly familiar to someone who's got memories of the gamecube game yeah that's pretty cool i guess i uh you know as someone without a lot of uh stakes in the secrecy of canceled projects this this just seems like a bunch of 30 year old millennials having fun at no one's expense (laughs) what do you think liam uh i don't know actually rare the People who run Rare, uh, and also the guys now at Ukulele, or Playtonic, they seem pretty cool about sharing their old hit, like notes and builds and stuff, so I imagine those guys don't care, and they're probably happy that people are seeing it. They seem pretty okay with it. It's really cool to see stuff that gets cancelled, because at the end of the day, it's somebody's work. I used to work, obviously, for Dylan Cuthbert at Q Games. He worked com- entirely for three years on Star Fox 2, and it never got released until the Super Nintendo Classic came out. Man, I can't even imagine working for three years on something and nobody ever seeing it and then thinking no one will ever see it. It, It's pretty crazy. And with all due respect, Star Fox 2 looked like it was a hell of a lot further. Like that looked like it was... It was finished. Almost, It was finished. The reason it got canceled is because of Lilac Wars in Europe, which was Star Fox 64, was coming out on the N64 within six months after. So that's why. It's quite... uh, a well-known story now. I mean, I I played it with my stepbrother, the Star Fox one. Star Fox Adventures, that's what it was called, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what Dinosaur Planet got turned into after Miyamoto pulled the Miyamoto card on that and wanted a Star Fox game. I, I wonder how big the uh, gripe was back then in like 1999 over Nintendo wanting to make sequels over original IPs. Or if uh, that's something that took a decade to, to foment and to real fan anger over. 
Certainly interesting to see. I mean, Rare were like Nintendo's go-to, right? So I imagine Rare have like a whole bunch of prototypes and stuff that nobody's ever seen, which would be great to see. Which certainly helps uh, pump up the the romanticism of this and the mysticism. Like that's kind of why so many fans consider this a holy grail of leaks is because uh, back in those days, a Rare Rare game felt like a first party Nintendo game. Yeah. And uh, also the consensus is that Star Fox Adventures is a perfectly fine game. Maybe not if you were expecting a legit Star Fox game, a perfectly fine game that was clearly rushed in the end. And that the uh, hope is that the uh, <laughs> the vision that they're seeing from this N64 Dinosaur Planet version would would hint at some sort of greater ending to it. But I, I don't know if, uh, if if we know quite how how long and complete this build is. It says that um, it should have some sort of ending to it. You just have to hack your way there. It's not completely legitimately playable all the way to whatever ending they had prepared for it at this stage. Right. Good on them. I'm down. There's something I want to get off my chest that I, I, I expect I might get some flack for, but at the same time, I feel like some listeners might gain something positive and, and important and maybe a bit of perspective over the concept of this. But yeah, Six Days in Fallujah was was revived from the dead. This was a first-person shooter, tactical first-person shooter video game that was developed in collaboration between Konami and a game developer that was making military training simulations Great. With, uh, with support from, from the CIA and FBI. One of them was literally called Judgmental Shooting Simulator, which can evidently still be seen today in civilian gun safety classes and practice ranges in the USA, if you, if you Google that string in. Yeah, this game is based on the Second Battle of Fallujah. And the thing is, is that there's an interview where they did the thing that every video game developer tackling an uncomfortable setting that needs to sell as many copies of the product as humanly possible will do. And that is they'll say, we're not trying to make a political commentary about whether or not the war itself was a good or bad idea. And what you need to know as a consumer is that anything that's going to be using real life imagery taking place in a real life setting or even taking influence from real life political events in history is absolutely going to be taking some sort of political side in that um in that situation in interviews with the game's developer they're definitely talking about how they're informing this mainly from interviews with US soldiers over you know the the insurgents and the terrorists on on the other side they're interviewing some civilians caught in the middle and on that note that's the whole point about why this battle in particular was controversial. What had happened is that in 2003, during the U.S. invasion, some divisions of the army were in the city of Fallujah, where a lot of former intelligence agents of the Saddam regime were housed and headquartered. Those later became elements of the insurgency after the Saddam regime was, was officially collapsed, and this city was a hotbed of their activity. At some point, there was a big protest outside one of their headquarters and the US soldiers ended up firing into a crowd that killed three people in one event, another three in, in another event. And at the time, there's no, I believe, no official way to 
posthumously declare if they were civilians or militants or future militants in the making. But that fostered a lot of angry anti-sentiment around there among these groups, of course. So a year later, there ends up being some Blackwater operatives in the area who get ambushed. Their bodies are charred and burned and thrown up on on poles where those images end up getting broadcasted throughout a lot of the news networks and foments a lot of anger between both sides across both sides. The coalition forces set up a perimeter around Fallujah and issued an evacuation order, but they did not allow fighting-aged men to leave the city. A lot of those men would later end up staying either through no choice of their own or because they figured it was going to be the safer option for their family. And those civilians are among the 800 that were killed in the door-to-door raids you're going to be seeing and going to be playing in this video game. That's the context of the war that they're not going to get into. They're not going to get into the use of white phosphorus, which inspired the game of Spec Ops The Line itself. This battle is the inspiration for one of the most critically dissected anti-war war games that that the medium has has to offer and it's also uh given some callbacks to that metal gear solid line about uranium tank shells causing birth defects later because that happened in fallujah too uh, and still to this day people growing up in that region have a much likelier chance of of growing up with birth defects from from the the munitions used by coalition forces in 2004 as depicted in this video game Anybody who makes a game about war, yeah, especially a real war, comes out and says it's not political. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I seriously wonder if uh, if Kojima has said something similar or might if the pressure's on because this keeps happening like every time during the the pre-release marketing cycle. Yeah, and. Uh, it's a cop-out and everyone should know it at this point. Like, like you are making a game depicting the American side for the American side. At least be honest about it. To some extent, we can read between the lines when they say things like, this is to depict the heroism and courage suffered by this generation that made sacrifices. When going to the Wikipedia page shows that, like, this is asymmetrical warfare. 800 civilians died for the 100 uh, Americans that did. Isn't that interesting? Like, you're... It's something I realized years ago that because it took me a while. It's like, oh, yeah, like we're usually seen in our brain as the good guys. Right. (laughs) Yep. You know? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Isn't that something? And then you realize, wait a minute. Now, war is war. Like we we think everyone outside of the U.S. is an enemy. No, that's not true at all. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And you start to have people. The internet exists and you have friends outside of the US. You have people in the UK. You're like, you have friends everywhere. You know, it's just like, I don't know how to feel. One of the most interesting things I saw happening on the internet last week was comparing the comment sections of the Nebuchadnezzar game I was playing with the comment sections of uh, the Six Days in Fallujah trailers. And of the comments who claimed to be Iraqi, there was. <laughs> A kind of humorous, cynical dismissiveness for Six Days in Fallujah. My favorite comment said something like, Isn't life funny? They wage war in your lands and then make a game about it. Isn't life funny? And then under the the Nebuchadnezzar trailers, you'll see comments being like, I'm from Iraq and I'm so proud to finally see this aspect of our history represented in video games. And it just seems like such a more 
positive and worthwhile exploration of the human condition, then what I'm expecting is more or less going to be Call of Duty, but edgier. Yeah, I, I think I'm done with the edgy shooters, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like you, you grow past that at a certain age. At a certain age, you're just like, okay, you know, like if I'm going to play a shooter, I want, I want something like Titanfall. Where it's like this is experience with a robot and and like you're just like shooting random things like that's that's more what I'm into or or, or Journey of the Strange Planet or whatever that game I played before the Savage Planet the Savage Planet that oh, one yes. yeah that was a good fucking game that was fun it was just like little animals and stuff like I don't know man this type of stuff weirds me out because like you're why you want to make this game like is this is what this is what you think about. I have some really, really probably judgmental theories I I might not want to dive too into, but I think it might have something to do with the veterans they're interviewing feeling like their struggles could not be depicted properly in a medium where the player can't get shot by hidden enemies hiding behind several layers of cover. And that the idea of depicting this urban battle as being especially difficult because with all due respect, it was. This was supposedly yeah. the, the biggest American losses since World War II. But I don't think they're going to feel like the audience is going to be able to respect those those the challenges of urban combat unless there's that degree of interactivity and player failure involved. Just make a new IP. Fuck's sakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, God yeah. damn it. Yeah, yeah. Making a new IP would be, if you want to make something um, serious like this. Stop making games about war as well. Oh, yeah. Make it fake. Make it fake. I feel like, like real wars and real history is something that can be tackled. I just feel like do it from a not not a first person perspective where you're kind of sort of reenacting some real person who died. There's also the factor of how many years it's been, right? Because there's World War II games where you do that and everyone's fine. The villains in the World War II games case have have absolutely been vilified by history and no one's offended by by games where you shoot Nazis even though they were real people, right? Yeah. So there's definitely like an element whereas this is a case where the US was maybe not in you know, it, it was also against the Saddam Hussein regime, but at the same time, the war was uh, not really justified and didn't, I'm, I'm going to argue, didn't really make our lives safer or better in the years since. And, and that for many Iraqis, they're apparently nostalgia now. They want the old Saddam Hussein regime back sometimes. It feels better to them, according to things I've read. But you don't really know because you keep thinking that you're reading things on the side of the good guys, right? You ever wonder how germany feels when we're playing you know when you're playing that game where it's just like americans against the germans right <laughs> and you're playing with a friend that's also german and you're just like yeah. how does how is his mind thinking about this the same way we're thinking about this where we like kind of disconnected from it or i gotta wonder because you know there's like no nostalgia for the nazis like modern day germans yeah. hate that like there is yeah. no no nostalgia for the dictator there yeah well actually i say that but there i i when i was doing my history video on east germany there was nostalgia among some germans for for the the communist east germany um soviet puppet state yeah no they that they, they're they're extremely critical of like like their education program make sure they know what world war ii was 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 doing to their society and how that can never happen again yeah i i do wonder how how different the emotional experience is of, of consuming the same media 
we can criticize the, the America till the cows come home because it's very weird. But the UK does the exact same right now with like poppies and Remembrance Day and all of this that gets twisted and used for nationalistic identity, which is absolutely not what the fucking thing was about. Like push came to shove fascism and everything that we should stand against was sweeping through Europe and we were forced to come together to fight that. It wasn't a nationalistic thing where the UK just went on a crusade to fight Germans in Europe. Right. And now right. it gets twisted into yeah. nationalistic identity when we fought together. Mm. And, and in the present day, I guess you're kind of reminded with what's happening in, in China, for example, that wars are waged if there's like ample understanding that they're not going to lose, if, they're, if they actually are willing to take that risk. And there was a huge reluctance for America to participate in World War II. They waited till they were under attack themselves. They're, it was not a righteous cause to go save the oppressed, unfortunately. That's not how the history really works in reality. We, we we may like to cast it as after the fact, but in the heat of the moment, there's there's a lot more reluctism as as we're seeing in these days. To it's portrayal and responsibility. Like I think American I, for all of the educational system problems America has, the one thing that just and I I think considering the size of America, the way America's democracy works, and all of this kind of thing, it's never ever going to be fixed or sorted ever. It's you cannot teach one track of history in america and it be accepted yeah you have your own history where people are on two sides of even that the civil war and you're like how can we just start taking control of anything else right portrayal of veterans in iraq in the gulf war in vietnam all of this right you're gonna it's impossible and but it should come from responsibility of like the way germany handles yeah nazi imagery Right. That's that's what I worry is the responsibility. I think a topic like this could be tackled by a strategic video game. I just feel like like if they got the from the people who brought you Halo from composer Marty O'Donnell, it seems like they're making a theatrical production out of it that's supposed to entertain more than educate. Yeah, it's just depressing. Let's let's move on to some more. uh more interesting, but also more uplifting listener questions. If you would like to hey. send us listener questions, send them to dad and sons podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also going to be posting some from the Patreon listener questions channel every week as well. That first one is from Arcadian on Patreon. They want to know if you could erase or prevent one single video game of this past decade from 2000 into 2021. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts the three, three. Or, or one of the weird exerd Kingdom Hearts and a half. Kingdom Hearts three should go away. What medium? Well done. Okay, okay. Uh, well, next part of the question is why? <laughs> it should not exist. <laughs> <laughs> why? Should why should it not exist, <laughs> dude? See, like. It's hard to explain. Have you played one, two, and the and the side spinoffs and all that? Have you tried? No, and three sure doesn't make me want to start. But yeah, um... don't don't. I mean, I, I mean, it's fun like playing one and two, and then getting seeing the weird story and stuff like that. As an as an older person now, it'll probably 
be worse but like it was still like an enjoyable experience like th- three was just it was it was like it, they stole your cash and everyone was okay with it you know it's like robbery you know what <laughs> i mean it's like they came out with the most boring ass fucking game and they're like oh here you go you should you could start a youtube channel yeah it's, it's that's it that's it that's it that was the, that was the game it, it was you know, I could dog it, but I've dogged it so many times before that I feel like I should just let you guys answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good uh, one. Pub- yeah. Uh, PUBG. PUBG. You, you, you'd pick really? PUBG. Yeah. See, I feel like like uh, the butterfly effect of that wouldn't be so great because Fortnite still existed at the time, didn't it? Ah, but did Fortnite exist because of PUBG? I believe so. Fortnite yeah. was a wave-based building game, not called Fortnite, right? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. called Fortnite something. Battle something, right? Yeah. And then they dropped that and then they dropped that mode and then they just went into the battle no, royale, they, right? They added the battle royale and then they it exploded Loaded, to the point and that, then that became why the even game. have yeah, why even have the yeah. other mode? Well, I'm 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 like wondering about the timeline of this because like do we know for sure what came first? Because even before oh, PUBG, PUBG there was PUBG Arma came first. and and zombie. It was PUBG. Yeah, I was there. I remember playing the beta for Fortnite, and I remember them adding on the battle royale. It was PUBG, and everyone jumping in. What was the name of that zombie game? Oh, it's right at the tip of my tongue. Which one? The the zombie Arma mod. Daisy. Daisy, yeah. Daisy was like the first big one, mm-hmm. but that was like a survival. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't battle royale. Okay, so 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 let's hear why 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 are you killing baby Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There are two sides to this for, for me, and I I, I actually it, it could exist, it could not exist. It doesn't really matter to me. But ultimately. We would live in a world where Fortnite would not be what Fortnite is. Yeah. Therefore, Fortnite creators and people who make YouTube channels based around Fortnite would also not exist. Oh, so you do it for me. Thank you. And I saw a clip of Ninja, like, crying about people stream sniping him the other day. And that dude has, like, bajillions of dollars and, like, has way better things to be doing with his money than crying about people cheating in Fortnite that I felt... This would be all great if it just didn't exist. And then maybe that's why it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just me looking in, but like if I'm ninja, like what why does it matter? Like you're this why is what do happens. You care if people you're popular. You in video you're, games this though. is what happens. People are dicks on the internet. Like, why is it a surprise to you? You complaining about it, it's not gonna change anything. But it, it could just be me being a millennial. You know, like that's yeah, that could yeah. be it, right? Very possible. We have been attacking Zoom. But Ninja is this our is age. This is fucking life. Toughen the fuck. <laughs> but Ninja is our age. Is he? Yeah, he does look our he age, is. doesn't he? He's getting old. And and and, and but, but reason why it's a big deal, of course, is because the kids are going to watch it, and that funnels advertising revenue from the he has the like advertising next to the videos. million followers. Like and and the fact are you that, crying about somebody shooting you in Valorant? But the fact that we like know about this and are talking about it means it's working to some level. And that's why if you put put a bullet in PUBG and baby Hitler before it becomes big, possibly 
We could have avoided this entire disaster and we'd still be watching Game Grump videos and Super Buddy oh, Help man. videos until oh, the that? end of time. Those, those, those were the good days. I, you know, I would be, I'll be interested in that alternate timeline where PUBG didn't get popular, Battle Royale no didn't get popular, something else got popular instead. The next it would wave be of... something else, and it would be for Zoomers, and, and so it would look weird to us no matter what it was. It would be MOBAs yeah. still. It would, MOBAs were like that, right? Yeah. Dota, League of Legends. Mm, I mean, they're still popular. Maybe, maybe the alternate history you created is the timeline where Tetris 99 no. became mm -mm. the big mainstream mm. staple game <laughs> no. for the kids. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would hope that it would be RPGs, but, you know, that's Yeah, just, what if it's Guild Wars 2 instead? That wouldn't have happened. What if what if sniping PUBG before it got famous meant that, that all the kids would be playing Guild Wars 2 right now instead? Not, not to say Guild because Guild Wars 2 is a great game, but it's, it's just, the thing is, MMOs in itself, it's just... And Matt's it's the not ninja worth of the world. Yeah, I would have... <laughs> what? Say you would have been the ninja. You would have been ninja. You would have been ninja. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. There's a certain uh never mind. I'm not gonna say it. You know, I think I think MMOs have kind of passed, but RPGs that would have been that would have been nice. Can you imagine like Mass Effect or Space Sims? What if Space Sims got popular? Somebody who just spends all day playing like Elite Dangerous and has like a million people watching them. <laughs> I'm just gonna do some sick trades today, son. I was hoping more like Star Citizen vibes, but I guess Star Citizen is never gonna come out. What if all the the billions of dollars that Fortnite made, all that money instead got thrown into more diverse portfolios, and a good chunk of it ended up in VR instead? And and the kids developed a VR space world to to dope. fill in all these holes and make sure that that Ninja got a real job where where he doesn't <laughs> oh face the emotional distress of having people stream snipe <laughs> him. Ninja wouldn't have to deal with that. We wouldn't have to deal with Ninja. Yeah, maybe he just wishes for that life again. To just go to a, like a retail job or like yeah. deal with office politics or. Or any of that normal <laughs> shit. Oh my god, that the worst thing in my life is someone sniping me in this game. <laughs> but he's good. He's good at the game. It's just like I don't understand. It's not like he's garbage, you know. So it's just, I don't know. It's a, we it's a weird thing. Yes, it sucks. Yes, I wouldn't like it if I got stream side. But like, come on, man. You know, I would turn the computer off, go and drive my Lamborghini. Get a Taco Bell. <laughs> Homeboy was talking about his Tesla. I, I just happened to like go on his channel when I had some downtime at work. He was talking about his Tesla and all this shit. Like, oh, I need to do like the way he was talking. I was like, man, he has changed. He has changed, man. Remember when he was just a regular old white boy? Now he's just like bougie as a motherfucker, man. This now he's like, a rich white boy. <laughs> yeah. Just like, damn. I would cancel Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> That canceled itself, so I don't think you need to. No, it came out. The joke was ruined. Randy Pitchford ruined one of the best, if not the best, jokes in video gaming, and that was that Duke Nukem Forever was supposed to be in development forever. It's right there in the name. Oh, man. And the game wasn't any good, and it's like no one even remembers anymore. The 10 years... But if you cancel it, if you cancel it, it's not in development anymore. Right, which is fine. It's still a mystery. 
people would still not know what Duke Nukem Forever would be forever. Like, like I, I feel like we really lost something as, a, as, as the us, the the peoples of the gamer nation really lost something when when Randy Pitchford threw, threw the gearbox money behind Duke Nukem Forever and got them to to finish it off. I can't believe the whole point of that game wasn't even a joke. I just, I just felt like I mean, it came out and it was an even bigger joke than anybody ever thought. It came out, it was awful. It's it's there were so many different iterations of it as it went through and it was always like fun question mark reading the latest development updates over where the the team like didn't know what engine they were working on for 2 years. Wow. There was some lawsuit involving 3D Realms at some point. Actually come to think of it there's been a few. But yeah, it was like a really fun story that never stopped delivering as the years upon years went on. And I, I felt like there's been something missing from my gaming news routine ever since Duke Nukem Forever finally finished up and came out and, and then gotten forgot about. I haven't heard Randy or Duke Nukem in a long time. Except on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping him alive. Just like Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> and, uh, Randy Pitchford Forever. Duke Nukem's not cool anymore and now we know like duke nukem wasn't cool back then but at least we had like confirmation it's not a mystery the the not knowing things the beautiful romantic mysteries of the universe uh not having super solid expectations before you buy a new product so you can get these so you can be surprised that's the spice of life that's what makes life worth living duke nukem forever life became less worth living when duke nukem forever was no longer a forever mystery yep yep Yep. Uh, the next question? Is there? Soul for Rent says, they say one in ten dentists do not recommend generic brand toothpaste. What is a tenth dentist opinion you have about something you consider yourself an expert in, but you consider most of your colleagues wrong about? Hmm. Sh shall I yeah, so, uh, yeah, warm yeah, us yeah. up? Go okay. As, as a YouTuber and and someone who's fascinated by internet misinformation and internet harassment and the behavior of of males who are young on the internet i believe that you shouldn't go out of your way to shame negative comments i think that when you post a screenshot of a negative comment with a snarky reply you're giving the commenter a, a spotlight and perpetuating that kind of behavior and that if you want it to stop you shouldn't do that i subscribe by the old adage of don't feed the trolls which i'm pretty darn sure is not the majority opinion anymore but hey it seems to work out better for me than a lot of other creators i guess wait people think they should feed the trolls yeah yeah the the consensus when dealing with online harassment from like I want to say 2012 onwards is has kind of been to call it out. That's that's the idea. The idea is to call it out. But since a lot of online social media communication functions on this negative feedback loop where negativity is what attracts comments in the first place, I am of the opinion that that ends up attracting more negative commenters to whatever problem you are trying to solve by calling it out. But I know that's not necessarily as agreed upon as the consensus majority opinion anymore out of the line of reasoning that nowadays stuff that happens on the internet is tied into like people's jobs and bank accounts and quality of life and and thus calling it out should uh take greater precedence but i i, I feel like 
like we're still at a point in the, the development of this technology where where that's more like playing with fire than than solving the problem. I feel like the things I have in my brain are just advice in general. It may not be the advice that everyone says, but I feel like people do say these things. You know, like don't be afraid to be a little blunt, stuff stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Like, so I don't know if I have one that the majority of people will disagree with, you know, except for, ooh, but except for some spicy ones, except for some like real spicy ones, like, like being healthy and stuff, you know, but that's just because, you know, I've been through it all. What's, what's your spice? What's, what's your spicy Probably take? Be healthy. <laughs> Be healthy. A lot. Of, there's a well, lot of. I mean, but yeah, that that's not offensive. How do I tackle this? There's a lot of body positivity out there, right? Right. Right. And oh, I think I know what, what I'm this saying? might be. Yeah. And I think it gets a little unhealthy at some point. Yeah. With the body I positivity, heard that. Yeah. And there's a certain point where it's just like you're now. Now you're just okay with you know being unhealthy you know what i'm saying when most people they just don't want to work hard enough to be able to get to that point you know what I, mean? I mean the the idea at least yeah is to ensure that no one feels horrifically shitty about themselves and the body they're in which is which is good that part is good but then there's people who die early there's people who like this this there's health problems that come there's this just all of that, and I guess a lot of things get crossed, you know, and I think, yeah, if that's gonna i mean there's just always a certain way to say things to someone, but you don't want to yeah. be rude yeah. about yeah. it no yeah. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. And I think that's the key right because I've been over three hundred fucking pounds, you could check the YouTubes. And we've we've talked on the show about how different people treat you. That's that's a real oh, thing. Oh yeah, they do. And and I feel different too. I know how it feels to be unhealthy. Like and I'm not talking about like overweight, but just like unhealthy in general, like eating uh routines, everything, you know? You know, eating the wrong stuff, you know? Now I I I drink juice and all that type of stuff. You don't have to be thin. You don't have to be muscular. You know, it has to be like, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about weight doesn't contribute to healthiness. You know, eating healthy, being healthy. Yes, uh, if you're over a certain amount of weight, it is probably bad for you for the long term. But yeah, but like some people are just built different and it looks good on them. Let me tell you. Um, but yeah, like it, I'm talking about people just making an excuse to to eat McDonald's and be unhealthy and then feeling bad about themselves and they like get sucked into this world of just okay with it because body positivity they feel shamed so the dopamine hit yeah from 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 eating they feel shamed by it yeah and it's like no some people go about it the wrong way on the internet they say oh you need to fucking do this you need to fucking do that and that's the terrible way of doing it but yeah, everyone has like their own thing. But yeah, that's like the very spicy. <laughs> it's so hard to like talk about that with like with certain types of people who are not okay with hearing things that might offend them. 
You know, there's some people who are like totally okay with having a, a tough conversation. Like, hey, this is my perspective on what's going on. It's it's also got to do with the body that you're born with and you can't really help that. And that's kind of yes. why the stakes are so high when it comes to this. Like, Because under that umbrella are like people who do have legitimate health issues who can't necessarily gain or lose weight as good as the rest of us or adjust any other factors that have to do with the quality of their health as well as the rest of us. And again, you don't want to sound rude. You don't want to like point at them, you know? And, and let me give perspective here. I have a genetic disease, neurological disease that I've had since I was born that would I would get paralyzed, you know, randomly, periodic paralysis. Like I had to deal with my own shit. I remember running with George one time and like my legs would lock up like but there's always a way, you know, like sometimes there there isn't a way. Sometimes sh- shit happens. But like, if you push, you can get, you can get to a, a certain point, you know what I'm saying? And you can control what you, you put in your body as well. You know what I'm saying? You can control, like, you don't have to eat McDonald's. I'm just saying, you don't have to. That's not part of some, some doctor diet routine. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Health isn't contribute. Like, it's, it's, it's not about like a weight thing, but yeah. Anyways, we get too deep on this shit. <laughs> we get too deep, but yeah. Liam, you all right over there? <laughs> Liam? Uh, mine's easy. I'm a game designer. <laughs> yeah. And 90% of anything I see posted or spoken about online is absolute bollocks for the most part. Yeah, you get, you get heated. <laughs> Especially when it comes to people talking about how games are made who have never made a game. It's just like, imagine whatever you do is your job and then people trying to tell you how to do your job and they've never done your job. That's it. And it's just, it's not... It's it's not spicy. It's not anything. It's just that. Yeah, Lo, let's get specific. What's what's one thing in particular that that irks you? I mean, I don't have to. I, I, um, <laughs> there's got to be something. Let's dig. Let's let's scrape our fingers through yeah, your brain here. We're already down there. People who don't understand how long it takes to do stuff in development. People who just don't understand what's required. Like people. Talk about like a video game character and you get like 10 comments about like, oh, this should only take two months to do. You just meld all the art, you do this, and then it's done, right? Times. People who don't understand times uh, in, in video game development. Times? Like the time it takes to do something. The time it takes to design a game or make a character or make DLC. People who complain that, oh, it should only... I don't, I don't know. There's all multi-faceted aspects of... It people telling you how long it should take to develop something, how you should do it, like what mm-hmm. is bad about it? Oh, good. I don't know. You know, it's any aspect where people who don't have the experience that maybe you or your colleagues have, but then are trying to talk to you on a level. It's it's like having read a Wikipedia article about rocket science and then trying to talk to a rocket scientist about their job. And trying to advise them or armchair talk to them about stuff. And it's fine. People like video games. People have opinions because they play video games. It's totally fine. But when you try and talk about something that you just literally have no experience in and you don't know anything about, like what a development schedule is, what production is like, well, how long it takes to do pre-production on something, how long it takes to do production on something, what it takes to QA a game, like, it immediately shows your inexperience and you become sort of laughable 
And a lot of comments online can be frustrating. They're frustrating for everybody who works in games, just because you're fighting against a wave of people who think they know better and you try and tell them or you try and apologize for stuff being late or delayed or all this, you know, we need more time to do this. And people just don't understand because they, uh, they have a preconceived notion of how long stuff takes or what is required or how your pipeline production works, anything like that. And that because I care so much about making games and because I really care about my job and my profession, like those are irksome comments sometimes. And, um, it's laughable. You see big games and then maybe have development issues and people try to understand or try to unpack what could be problematic. And it's like you can t even as a, you know, a developer from different studio, you can always kind of have a guess like what the problem was, because it's quite glaringly obvious sometimes because most games go through similar production cycles. But people who just haven't made games or try to talk about development cycles like they know it is, yeah, sometimes quite frustrating. And it's mostly just because you can't say anything. Yeah. Because then nobody will listen anyway, even if you try to explain. Oh, yeah. Then you look like the asshole. Yeah. And you, yeah, all that. Right. And it's just like, it's not worth the effort in correcting people. Mm. And like, oh, well, actually, maybe this and this. Like, oh, what the fuck do you know? Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it only takes a month to make a character. Whoa. Are you kidding me? Like, get out of here. It reminds me of like when I'm doing one of those, the bigger jobs and the client. You know, they have a time, they have a deadline because it's going to yeah. go live in their conference or whatever like that. And they're making these like we, we build these graphics um, so it's easy to slide them in and um, be able to change things and stuff like that over a, a wide variety of videos. And they want to change shit at the last yep, moment. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you not realize what we've set up for you? <laughs> We're going to have to shift all the graphics back and I have to go into every After Effects fucking project and freaking shift it all. Like, and it reminds me of when I was, when I was coding for that game for, for just fucking around in Game Maker. And it's just like, like, if you change shit, like you, it's, things will break. Things will fucking break. Like, it's just not that easy just to be like, oh, okay, yeah. It all depends on how you code it from the very beginning, right? Like, and it just like, gave me perspective on, like, just like, okay, uh, this, <laughs> this is hard. I was talking about Smash Brothers, and I was talking about characters in Smash, and, like, people are like, why does it take so long for DLC, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> Smash DLC comes out within six months of each other, and have you tried... To create a new character that then you have to go through all of the other 60 cast character members and like balance them versus that new character. Like what happens if Sephiroth swings his sword and Cloud does like a counter at the same time on this certain stage in this certain area with this certain item on in this certain game mode? Mm -hmm. Like there are infinite amounts of combinations of things that could easily break your game. And it's like me talking about terror, uh, Teardown last week about a game that literally gives you the tools to break the game. That's so scary because players breaking your game is fun for the players only until they can then not do anything else, right? People get kicks. At, speed running is amazing, right? People get their kicks out of breaking your game. But the reality is actually if they break it enough where they can't play it, they get really sad and upset. So you have to make games that, you know, are kind of idiot proof. And Smash is such an infinite amount of combinations with characters and power-ups and items and stages and stage mechanics 
that when you introduce a new character, you have to retroactively go back through the whole cast, test all of that, balance all of that, play thousands of games. And even then, when you do all of that hard work, no matter what you think, the fact that when you send that character out to like the 10 million people who are going to buy it on day one or whatever, Smash's ridiculous turnover numbers are, that is 10 million problems that you could have never have ever no matter how long you tested ever have accounted for and then the game breaks and people think they know better because they found it or it's very easy and obvious and yeah it's yeah it's it's a losing battle N- not to say games aren't shit when they're shit but yeah absolutely totally agree with you it's like anything your your favorite your favorite sports teams your favorite director your favorite musician mm. everybody has bad moments right your like favorite even, podcast your favorite podcast right there are bad episodes of this easily right easily but that doesn't no. mean that hard work wasn't put into it and more often than not in cases like Duke Nukem Forever it's probably because of very easily identifiable problems such as changing technology you know console generations changing over and then trying to rewrite some of the games so that you're not looking like an older game directors leaving designers leaving like very normal identifiable thing it's not like they just couldn't make a Duke Nukem game for 10 years it's blockers and pipeline problems and and Duke Nukem forever was was not normal <laughs> it was it was an abstract idea it was not a product it was not a a, a finished thing that was being consumed by people it was it was floating in the air it was it was immaterial Duke Nukem Forever was was a cause. Yeah. And I mean, people try and like when people try and guess production team sizes and stuff like that. Oh, I think this game was probably only made by 10 people. Oh, I think this game was probably made by 100 people. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Please calm down. I liked Duke Nukem Forever better when I had the impression in my head that it was being made by two people in a sweaty outhouse with no power. <laughs> Probably at some points it was. Yeah, and that was better than the finished product made by hundreds of developers on a schedule with wages. Like, and this is the funny thing about, like, I, I don't want to talk about this too much because we do go on about this and it is tiring for me because it gets, because people get angry about it. But I don't know why gamers don't care more about burnout and developers leaving and stuff like that, because all of those things harm how good the game will be in the end. Yeah. Like you've seen the rumors from cyberpunk that games restarted like three times. Final fantasy 15 renowned started like three different times. Directors leaving staff, leaving experience staff turnover, all of these things harm the eventual final game. But it's a case of like, if developers treat those staff well, they stay, you keep more experienced people, experienced people do make better games. Gamers should care more about, if you hear something like Metroid Prime 4 has been taken away from a developer and given to somebody else, that's a really bad fucking sign. It's not a good sign. That's a really bad sign. These are the things where you need to not be like, oh, maybe, you know, the the team ain't so great. We should get this. Or like, oh, fuck, they need to work really hard. It's like, Come on. Good people make good games. Mm. That's it's just that easy. I, I I get a similar feeling when I see comments that really want Star Wars um like like Project 13. What was it called? 13. I'm like, no, you don't. You already had better Star Wars games since. What was the number? 1313. 13, 13. Yeah. 
and and yeah that thing has been killed for a while i i don't know if i was ever particularly jazzed about the gameplay concepts but like like we we can move on right yes and if you watch that video again you'd be like oh i mean I, we see tropes from that in, in a lot of games that have already released I, it's like it's like six days fallujah just in general outside of the politicalness that game when that was announced and when that was a thing worked then but it's so odd to even just like think that it would be a thing now it was of a time and era um it's very yeah it's very odd i don't know i mean gaming same as music same as i mean youtube you know you see youtubers get burned out and their their productivity and their videos the output Mm -hmm. dives like oh you can't then just start talking to them and being like hey (laughs) you you motherfucker you need to make a video blah 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 right like that's not gonna do anything yeah <laughs> it's just like that's not gonna help really glad i don't have the angry joe audience oh god there was a big scandal over him like announcing uh, a short vacation and the fans criticizing him really hard for it well guy you yeah, make and a lot of you make videos just... about games you don't need a vacation you're on vacation yeah, vacation playing games is your job <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's not complaining about sure. strange sniping <laughs> putting up with the fans is the job community management is the job like (laughs) even in games now community management is what keeps you selling keeps you going honest to god community management those those they they have the worst job in games i think personally those poor wonderful people people get really angry when they're not being listened to as well yep you can't ignore people even though people won't listen to you you can't ignore them because Mm. then they get even more angry yeah it's so odd please like gamers please don't hate me but it's the truth <laughs> yeah like i i don't i don't understand like i don't know but i guess i'm a i can't really say anything because i'm just not that type of person so i can't really relate to like oh this is what's wrong with your game like i'm not gonna be doing that like mm. i'm just not gonna be doing that you know i'm gonna play the game constructive do you remember when you were kids, right? Yeah. Like, and we need to end this show, but you yeah. remember when you were kids and people said constructive criticism is always the way to go, right? And they yeah. try to in, instill in you that being constructive with your criticism is really important because one, it will get you listened to. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly what you want to be heard. You want to be heard, right? And secondly, constructive criticism doesn't come off as negative for the most part. So people are much more willing to listen to you and do something about it. And like video game developers are no different we are always looking for ways to improve our games the reason we do qa the reason we do alphas and betas and early access and all this because that feedback helps improve the game right but it is the constructive criticism that changes games and gets listened to generic comments like in this game sucks because of blah or you should do this no one listens so the you know if you are passionate about some of your favorite games and you do have some preconceived notions of game development and stuff like that. But you, and you want to be more active in that kind of thing. Try to be realistic as best to your ability and also be constructive in the way you approach giving feedback. Mm-hmm. It is especially helpful to games in early access and stuff like that. So if you have indie devs that you really like or, you know, other smaller developers who look for feedback, be constructive. It's really helpful. Yeah. There you go. What a way to end. It's lovely having you both. That's 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 all, folks. 
I don't know how to like rap after after the the, the you know emotional intensity of of a good rant. I'm sad one of the news stories wasn't Zelda's 35th birthday anniversary. Well, did something of newsworthiness happen? Happy birthday, Link. Yeah, if I if I type in 36th Zelda and hit the news tab, there's there's 35th. Not nothing. Okay, well let's let's because if you type 36, you'll get nothing. Okay. <laughs> Legend of Zelda 35th anniversary prompts fan support on Twitter. Okay, okay, hey. okay. they're prompting fan support. That's what they're doing. Oh, okay. There we go. That's a nice way to end. We're going to be 35 soon, aren't we? Oh, We're going to need fan support no. prompted oh, on Twitter. God, no. Support us on Twitter when we turn 35. Oh,